Hello, everyone, and welcome to this free episode of TF. It is me, Riley. I am joined in studio by Hussein. Uh, hi. Hello. What's up? And uh, I am joined in uh, TF uh, Glasgow Towers by Alice. It's the free one. It is. And uh, that is who we've got for you today. You can tell because mm-hmm. no one is uh, yelling over me in a dumb radio voice and no doing one's, endless- No one's doing an accent. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We have banished no, no, Milo. No, it's like introducing characters from Family Guy over a period yeah. of about twenty minutes in a way that incapacitates every single one of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like none of us can really do voices. I was sort of tempted no. to do a kind of like Melvin Bragg style, like, "Hello, it's the it's the free one." Um, except that's not really Melvin Bragg. Um, no, it's not. I guess I could I could no. do you like an old newsreel, like, "Yeah, it's the free one." It's yeah, like, that's, that's, a, that's a good attempt, man. That's a good, pretty, that's a, yeah. British movie tone, Pathé presents the free one. Uh, it's the free one. Milo has been mm. banished to the lagoon. Uh, however, <laughs> we he are... belongs. Yeah, he's, been he's forming a lagoon. more equitable society over there, the fucker. <laughs> but um, we've got a little bit of news for you of Startup, and then, of course, we're going to be talking about some more AI. First piece of news. Ladies and gentlemen, we got it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The uh, transgender rights campaigners and advocates for Russia, according to... Me and my friends in Russia have finally enacted something we long thought was impossible. Some measure of consequences for sexual misconduct within the realm of British media. Um... This being observer columnist Nick Cohen and his downfall. Mm-hmm. So long, um, long has this been known, and uh, mm-hmm. I believe actively and institutionally covered up uh, by the Guardian and Observer. Where I mean, Nick Cohen long, worked. long has it been posted about? Um, and not to like give fucking like left Twitter any credit for anything ever, but like this was something that was talked about quite openly on social media and mm-hmm. noticeably was not responded to with any kind of like legal threats. Um, yeah, because it so, was true. <laughs> so, uh, and of course, what had to happen to bring out this kind of secret in the very sort of cloistered and chummy world of UK media was, as usual, the New York Times has to just look at Britain and then see what is obviously fucking going on here and just be able to... And it's it's like the New York Times, that's the one mm. place where it is compelled to tell the truth about. Yes. There is, yeah. Well, it's it's curious, so like, isn't yeah. it? So Jane, who wrote the story and who I know a little bit um, from like previous like working in similar places, uh, is a British reporter, and so she works for the London Bureau of the New York Times. But and it's not—it's not to sort of say that like the point is invalid, but it's more just like it's very interesting that um, even like a British journalist who has sort of been around for like a long time and been established for a long time, the only way that they could do this story was through mm. an American outlet. Because like the part, like the big part of the story is also that the Financial Times had this scoop about Nick. Um, and they had the details and they and like the thing that made it a story was that like the Financial Times, I think, had eight women who had come on record to like say, yeah, this guy uh, or eight women who had kind of said that, yeah, like this guy had, like has been exhibiting like 
these harassing behaviors and has been doing mm. so for a long time. And the Financial Times were the one that were like, yeah, he's not really enough of a business guy to like for us to do the story, which is like number one is bullshit. But I think very emblematic of this, like how cloistered British media is to the point where like you just need a US outlet to actually tell kind of proper stories about what is yeah. actually happening in Britain and people still getting mad about it. Like, you know, of course. Lots, of, well, lots of people they, being like, why is the New York Times like berating our like sexual uh, harassment? Yeah. <laughs> Hadley Freeman, the, the Guardian's <laughs> own Woody Allen correspondent, said that um, it was an example of sort of like the pretended cultural superiority of Americans uh, that they were publishing this and that it was very, hmm, uh, yep. which Come on. The thing that always confuses me about this, though, right? And I know it's just regular patriarchy. I know it's just regular institutional misogyny. But no one can seem to explain to me why it's worth circling the wagons, like, to this extent, for Nick Cohen. I've read who, his who columns. Who is now a substacker. Yes. Or a yeah, substacker what, what, they what just are he, still friends what, with. What value does he add beside being friends with them that it, it makes sense for them to like build the fourteen foot wall concrete bunker around him? Well, I think it, the, I, I think the truth is he knows secrets. That's my feeling. Well, you, think, I, he, you think he has you like compromat just by virtue of like being I don't know if, in I don't, I don't know if it's compromat, but what I do know mm. based on like kind of again, sort of knowing circles that he is associated with. Mm. Um is that like in terms of like the British media landscape and this isn't just like newspapers it's also like you know the uh, it, it's uh, like panels on radio shows it is uh, um, kind of being on the board of like like certain kind of like quote unquote free speech organizations um, but yeah I like it's the stature but I think kind of really mm. sort of sets him as being kind of different in the sense of not necessarily being like a titan of journalism by any means but like no. really someone who really acknowledges that like longevity is about or longevity is about like staying like kind of being part being part of all these going, other sort of going to the right bodies, parties yeah. knowing the right people yeah i mean i i guess the other thing i would say uh, and, and this sort of ties into another thing that's in the news which is uh a labor mp uh getting the whip suspended and then we don't know what else what other sort of like criminal sanctions might follow from this for like also being a creep towards women and it just strikes me that this is, you know, it's not a surprise to anyone, but this is absolutely ubiquitous in British politics, British media, across a wide spectrum of it. And uh, just the reflexive urge to cover up um, and to excuse is, is just, it's, it's quite something. It's absolutely craven. And it's, it's the kind of thing that... Um, you can do these sort of like gotcha tweets that don't matter at all, but are very instructive. Where um, you look at the people who are now defending Nick Cohen, and you can show them their old columns. Where today it will be, oh well, he was he was an alcoholic at the time. Six months ago, a column about how like you know toxic men will uh, you know use alcoholism to excuse their own actions, stuff like this. Um, well, you know, uh, I think we can we can also notice right before we move on as well that. As you sort of alluded to earlier, Alice, he now has a brigade-sized element of the UK's uh, columnist bathroom cops uh, <laughs> sort of providing cover around these well, the, circled wagons. The trans angle was interesting, too, because, like, uh, you know, the, the New York Times, obviously, no friend to trans people, but what they did do was uh, they permitted their journalists to ask one follow-up question, which is one more than British media will let you do. And so when they called Nick Cohen about this, 
uh, and they were like, how do you respond to these allegations? He immediately sort of responded with your characteristic, like, uh, bluster of, well, I have many enemies, such as uh, the trans rights activists and uh, Russians. And they asked him the one more question, which was, okay, what about the other seven women? And he went, ah, uh, mm, interesting. Uh, uh, mm, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. The art of the Perfect single interview. follow-up question. The, yeah. the, <laughs> the art of the interview, you know? <laughs> all right, all right. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Elon Musk, of course, as well, in the news, for his brain chip firm Neuralink, having mm. received approval from the U.S. FDA to conduct tests on humans. He is, that's right, he is no longer going to be murdering apes. He is instead mm-hmm. going to be murdering some slightly less intelligent Twitter he's, blue users. He's climbing his way up the like hierarchy of simians, and now he's gonna kill some humans. Uh, <laughs> I uh, don't do this. Don't trust Elon Musk with your brain. Do not let. I mean, this is the thing. He has finally. He's tried to do it with posting for years. He bought Twitter to try and do it, and it didn't work. He has finally, at long last found a way of living rent-free in someone's head. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny that he's like, he hasn't killed enough monkeys. No, he's he has killed, killed a- like 1,500 monkeys. That's yeah. so many monkeys. And then the <laughs> FDA I'm- apparently yeah. were like, that's the last monkey who will ever get killed by this. Yeah, After there's, a this, guy this- in the F- there's a guy in the FDA that fucking hates monkeys, and they're like, yeah, this is good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to like people just malfunctioning for like no reason. Mm. Uh, in the same way that like Teslas do, mm. like they'll sort of be, and like the only way to fix them is I don't know, like I don't know, fucking turn them like horizontal. Mm-hmm. Like that's <laughs> the only way to make them function. So yeah, I pe- think people are just going to start randomly bursting into flames, but they're going to be mm. doing a sort of a dance from like a meme dance from 2017. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to be doing the Fortnite floss well, this dance. Is, this is also like connected because I feel like what Elon has sort of tried, like understood from his Twitter venture, is that like even though he's bought the platform and rigged it in favor of all the blue checks none of them are actually laughing at any of his jokes like if you look at him when he makes a joke mm. online you look at the replies to them um these are all people who are just kind of like advertising shit coins at him like he is being spammed by the people who are paying him it's insane mm. and so i imagine <laughs> yeah. what he so i imagine my feeling is the whole like uh brain chip thing is so that he can finally create people who he can like directly beam his posts to and they will laugh in the real world mm-hmm. like they'll mm-hmm. imagine a post yeah. well they'll see the post that he's put out in their brain and they'll go haha mm-hmm. that's so funny like, the, he'll you know, be able to he'll be able to force you to picture uh, like a bad luck brian or uh, one of those other 2009 era nine gag memes but you know what's you know what's really funny is the greatest proponents and only adopters of Neuralink will 100% be the same people who used to post the uh, like NPC Wojak meme where it's like slotting a chip into the head. <laughs> <laughs> and the one, the other thing is, right? Yeah, it's good now. The, the technology yeah, of a good. brain computer interface, it's not necessarily like bullshit. Like, uh, no, this is fine. allowing like paralyzed people to walk. And anything to do with like the, the biological functions of the brain is going to be mm-hmm. a little bit body horror anyway because yeah. brains are just like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, th- the main thing that I don't trust about this is Elon Musk. Uh, and yeah. you should not either. You should not give Elon Musk a way to make you dream a new and improved Ron DeSantis Twitter space. Do not Please give him that ability. Stop saying things. I. <laughs> 
I hate this so <laughs> or, much. Or anytime you think a, like a slightly negative thought, like, oh, I'm out of peanut butter, you get to hear his voice saying, mm, concerning. Looking into, <laughs> looking, looking into it, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> oh, oh, fun. God's sake. Yeah, why do, I, why do I feel so strangely about, like, emeralds now? <laughs> it says, announcing Thursday's news on Twitter, Neuralink talked of an important first step that will one day allow our technology to help many people. One day. <laughs> and all, this is, so he was, if you recall, also Musk has been saying that this is going to be in people's heads by 2020. And again, like, he's going to have no shortage of people signing up to it. But the problem is mm. going to be finding where to plug the chip in. You're just going to keep drilling. It's going to be, how, <laughs> how much skull is there here? <laughs> it just keeps going. It's, yeah. I, I just got, biologically, there has to be a brain in here somewhere. <laughs> all right. No, all right. I, I, I feel uh, this is very cyberpunk in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because cyber. One thing cyberpunk usually does, right, mm. is that the um, the corpo leaders, you know, the um, yeah, the, like uh, like Arasaka or whatever, they're yeah. usually uh, they're usually represented almost like a Damia, right? Sure, they are serious and to be taken seriously. They're grim, and uh, mm. you know they'll they'll kill without think without you know a moment's compunction. Like they are, they are stony faced killers. Elon Musk is yes, an yeah. There's some fucking, a golf there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He is. He is not a kind of like you know, um, a uh, uh, corpo titan. He's sort mm. of just a, a, a clown who's danced his way to the top of the, the cyberpunk dystopia. And what's weird is he, he keeps orbiting those people. Like, remember uh, a few months ago when we said that Tim Apple was going to have him bone sword for buying Twitter? Tim <laughs> Apple is a corporate damio. He is like 100% that guy in a cyberpunk setting. You would have to change very little. You put some like weird electronic shit on the side of his face and that's it. Uh, Elon Musk? I mean, mm, not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, very excited for the slight twist on the world of Cyberpunk 2077 that still has 55-year-old memes all over the place. Yeah, the, like, uh, the, the guy who did those oatmeal comics is, uh, you know, his head is going to burst into flames in a public place. And we're, we're just going to kind of note that and move on, I guess. <laughs> you're looking, looking into it. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. never going <laughs> to... Yeah, that's that, the, the sort of giant blimp that has the laser skywriting on it. It's just the words looking into it. Um, <laughs> all right, let's, let's talk about a startup. The startup is called Wondercraft. Wondercraft. Wondercraft AI specifically. Huh. Wondercraft AI. D does it... Are we 3D printing little, like, items here? Little, little desk toys? Uh, no, 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 no. It doesn't 3D print anything physical. Hmm. Does it have something to do with clip art? I, not clip art. I, no. Not, okay, so it's something related, but not quite clip art. Mm, I wouldn't say G it's give so me a visual. Hint. This is the, it's, hmm. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Blank reinvented. Th that's not a hint. That's that the opposite <laughs> of a hint. <laughs> But okay, fuck okay. you. Uh, art, I guess. Start your blank today. I was just thinking woman. It's like, it's, it's an invention your woman of, today. Start your woman with, today. With, like, like an outboard motor, like you like grab and well, pull. Like. Well, I, I'm wondering whether it's like a type of, you know, you can, you know, so, because a lot of these AI guys are like obsessed with like, 
um, AI girlfriends and stuff. So is this a service that like allows you to make a bespoke girlfriend in the same way that you can make a World of Warcraft character? Uh, not a girlfriend, no. Uh, here, let me carry on a little bit. Create your own studio quality. Could blank. still be a woman. Could still be a studio quality <laughs> yeah, studio woman. Studio quality woman. Uh, yeah. Podcast. Uh, that's the it's one. Coming. Oh, no, fuck, I was joking. It's, We're out of a job. We're out of a job. It's coming for our jobs. It's our over. fucking jobs are being automated. It's the most over it's ever been. Yeah. <laughs> our precious phony baloney jobs are being yeah, yeah, like, I was fine laughing when it was all of your phony baloney jobs. Now it's my phony baloney job on the line. I'm I'm Eliezer Yukovsky pilled. We gotta start doing airstrikes on all AI chips. Uh, large language models should be as illegal as being a member of ISIS. Um, <laughs> d- you can't do this to me. I need this job. <laughs> so, create studio quality podcast in seconds, powered by AI. And this isn't just some like random little uh, tool mm-hmm. someone's worked up that can do a few seconds. It's backed by Y Combinator to the tune of quite a bit of money, oh, and God. it is uh, it's already sort of up and running. They've no. already automated Joe Rogan. They've been doing it for six months. You didn't even notice. Anytime you think you, you hear him say, wow, that's not Joe Rogan. That's the large language model. Joe Rogan is in like the sub-sub-basement getting tortured. <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to wring the last dopey question out of him. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> here's what it says. You can clone your own voice, just share a 60-second recording of your own voice, and enjoy seamless podcast creation with your own personal touch. I mean, I do think about the fact that, like, hundreds if not thousands of hours of my voice are just out there on the internet for anyone to mm. do what they, they want with. Um, uh, don't, don't remind them of that. <laughs> we, you can yeah, make yeah, anyone the security say, for those, yeah, you can make please? any of us say whatever you want, and you can take that information however you like to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, this is why it's. But important. you shouldn't also. Don't be a fucking creep. Like, just just leave it alone. <laughs> this is why it's very important that we always have a little bit of overtalk, so you can't isolate any of our audio mm. cleanly. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's very important now that we sort of like talk a little bit, like we sort of like uh speak with like higher or lower octaves than usual. Yeah, in order have a show voice protection. rather than your like, regular. We, voice. We, we, my my I, defensive I might be technique. The rest of the shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my defensive technique is I'm never gonna say any of the phonemes that are used in any slur, so you can't recombine them to make me say a slur. <laughs> I'm only like only speaking like in consonants from now yes. on. Yeah. Uh, so I'm so. skipping like every third syllable. So you also let AI write your script. So just write a few bullet points that you want your episode to be about. Feed it to the AI and let it take care of the rest. I mean, Who's your I, language? I have I have a nuanced position on this, right? Which is you you can and should do this to me, but only after I die. I I am thoroughly in favor of the kind of like ringing out of like people's like you know when Hollywood uses uh, like dead actors' faces and stuff. I love that shit. That's hysterical so, to me. So, so so the future is like even if you're dead, like you'll still be able to meet your sort of podcasting schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I want to happen if I if I you know God forbid if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, right? I want you all to have to put up with AI Alice for as long as the podcast lasts. <laughs> Yeah, we all just slowly get hit by buses, or um, Milo gets get the neural slowly link put hit in. by a bus. That yeah, <laughs> yeah gradually. Wh- the the sort of office pool of which member of TF is most likely to first get a neural link. Yeah, I think it's Milo. Um, he's mm. gonna, he's definitely going to get a neural link. Um, so introducing Wondercraft AI. 
Today marks an exciting day for podcast enthusiasts. There's never been one of those. And content creators everywhere as we introduce Wondercraft AI, the platform that turns your written content into high-quality podcasts in wait, seconds. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I figured this out. We own our own means of production, right? So we can just automate our own jobs. We can just set AI Riley and AI Hussein and AI Alice talking, fuck off to the pub, put the episode out, charge as usual for it. I'm in favor of this now. <laughs> okay, if ever the episodes that come out in the future seem a little bit odd or different or somehow in the uncanny valley, Riley, that's as a, a new large joke. language model, I uh, actually can't respond to that. <laughs> isn't, so, isn't the risk also that if you get all the AIs of each of us to talk to each other, that could be that could be a bit risky. I feel like you need some mm. humans, right? To just like sort of keep it in check, but it's a really dangerous position to get all of our AIs sort of like <laughs> Yeah, it could get really surreal. They could end up talking about the founding myth of uh of Venice for like <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> yeah. But I mean realistically, like what this actually is, right, is it is the same like large push by venture capital that it now that it's noticed that it can actually more easily recreate um, creative or creative adjacent industries rather than say like I don't know um, financial research right sure. that, that those things that people thought were going to be very automatable are actually quite tricky to automate and the mm. things people thought were going to be difficult to automate are actually easy to automate if you don't care if it's good basically sure uh, you know that this is basically the the, the effort as always is not being aimed at podcasters, it's being aimed at podcast studios and podcast networks. And, and the idea being like, the fantasy that we see over and over and over and over again with all of these products is that you can have an artistic project that's just notes, right? That you can, mm -hmm. instead of having to write a script, instead of having to have um, people sitting at microphones, instead of having to have microphones, instead of having to have on a, on a movie set or whatever, you can just be it because what does an executive do is they do cocaine and they give you notes and it's just and what if the entire process was just the giving of notes that's mm. it what well, one of the things i was actually was completely right is that like the what like the people who i imagine will be quite shafted by this are kind of freelance producers like people who sort of make mm. like lots of because I, I did a bit of like corporate podcasting production work during the lockdown um, and it was like a very soul destroying process where again, it was very much like a guy gave me notes and gave me shitty audio to work with. But at the time, like, you know, people were speaking on those podcasts, but those mm. people, they didn't, they really didn't want to do it. They saw, they were very begrudgingly doing it because someone in their sort of like PR content department or whatever was like, Hey, we sort of need to do this for some reason. Cause everyone else is, mm. and this kind of feels like the logical extension of like their selling point is like, well, everyone else is making podcasts, so you should do the same, but also like his a way of basically doing it for the sake of doing it. So it's like, it's not creating podcasts for podcasts, like genuine podcast lovers, like in quotation marks. It is really just there to kind of produce a very, very cheap product very quickly that like no one really cares about. AI so, so, producing a cheap product uh, yeah, quickly I know. that no so, one so, so, come so, on. You, you're saying that it's not coming for us, it's coming for, for the like, I don't know, Pinkerton Insights. Sort it's of coming for, yeah, it's coming like, for like the fucking, KPMG's I don't know, like the, internal the, 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 the HSBC podcast that, advert that I saw this morning on the tube, uh, where one of the advertisements for it was like, how can you, how can you feel like you're a worthwhile employee in your workplace? Listen mm. to this podcast that will tell you all the answers. And so Would, I listened to that podcast mm. because I wanted to feel 
I wanted to find out the answer of how I can be a uh, meaningful contributor to the company that I work for. And in the 15 minutes that I was on there, um, there were no mentions of like, you know, union joint. There was no, there was not even any mentions of like teamwork. What one of the bits of advice it did give out was if you come in half an hour early and stay half an hour late, you can have a conversation with your boss's boss and that can help you in your career. And that's also one reason why it's really good to go back into the office. Yeah. It would be very <laughs> funny to me if just very like awesome apropos of nothing, one of those sort of like very workshop, very corporate podcasts that no one really listened mm. to just sort of adopted the styles of like us or like the Adam Friedland <laughs> show. Like well, you're listening to like K you're listening to like the KPMG like workflow tips podcast and they're doing like slurs chat. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing an, an, the extended lagoon riff. Um, <laughs> I, the other thing I, I see here as well, right, is that it's part of this larger trend of what the AI people imagine other people want to hear. You're like, like, yeah, and the answer how, is, of how, course, yeah. J.P. Morgan Chase presents Starve and Adam. Like, it's, it's the answer is J.P. Morgan Chase presents like Socrates and Einstein giving their dropshipping insights. Oh, I've seen these, and they're such dog shit. Like, yeah, but, I well, because right there, the hmm. idea is, and this is a, more of an. I think this is more of something that's thought of by AI boosters and AI hucksters rather than like serious AI people. Which sure, is the, that, the, the Lyle Lanleys of this world. Of course. And the idea that you're going to somehow be able to create, distill from their writing the essence of Socrates and Einstein and have more than just um, two Sparknotes pages being read at one another, right? Mm. And, and, and that, uh, that any, anything is going to go beyond just the barest surface level that will be beyond some kind of key jingling is, is again, laughable. And goes to show how little any of the people who are really excited about this stuff actually understand fucking anyone. I'm I'm so excited to listen to like Price Waterhouse Cooper's presents epic rap battles of history. <laughs> so, this is a blog post from Wondercraft. As we ventured into launching Wondercraft just a month ago, a question loomed over us. What are the ingredients that make a podcast resonate with audiences? Well, first you need to have a racist guy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> is it is it well, is it the charisma of the hosts? Is it the caliber of guests they invite? I, the I, I can assure you from it's personal bits. experience, neither it's of bits. those matter it's, at all. It, it's bits. You need bits. Yeah. You mm. need bits. The and depth are and relevance of the topics discussed, or perhaps the regular podcast. Yeah, or perhaps the regularity with which episodes are released. Now, based <laughs> the on the fact and girth of topics discussed. Yeah. The Based on based on what product these guys are selling, which mm. answer do you think they land on? Um, I reckon regularity. That's the one. Yep, yeah, that's what decides. It's just it's is it out every day at the same time? Who cares what's in it? <laughs> is it there? I don't know if they're, I, I, I don't I know just, if they're entirely I, wrong about that. Yeah, I I, I uh, look at well, there's your problem, and it's uh, let's say ir be charitable and say irregular release schedule, uh, and think. Mm. I don't know. Sometimes people like stuff that isn't such a high production value. Now, granted, it is that way because that's the production value we have in stock. But like, even so, getting a sort of like highly machined podcast about like I don't know Socrates giving you business secrets of the pharaohs or whatever. I I don't know. I just don't see it. 
Well, you know, you've pointed out something that I didn't think about, which is that people are different. And when people mm. listen to podcasts, they listen to it for different reasons rather than That's true. for one reason. <laughs> but like so many things, right? These guys only know how to make products for one another. Right. That's mm. why that's why that's why every time you see like uh, and I always think about Twitter for this, which is how the people, including Jack Dorsey, right, how they always like to imagine Twitter being used or any or any of these social networks or any of these products. Right. Mm. Even like Uber, right? It's only imagined as being used, driven by and for basically middle class people at least, because they sure. cannot imagine that many sort of social levels away from themselves. Is is that they are imagining a podcast and they created one as a trial, as a proof of concept, that just and they just copied and pasted the top stories from Hacker News, which is also owned by Y Combinator, which is why they could do that. Uh, mm -hmm. And then put it into their little box, had it summarize them, put the bullet points into the podcast, and then AI generated a podcast that summarized the top stories on Hacker News. And that's their like big proof of concept, which is that they can create a thing that can deliver an audio summary so long as someone else has actually written the thing. But with so many of these, um, let's say, bits of, uh, you know, let's say on Hacker News or other bits of journalism, um, what most of uh, more of those are going to start getting generated by AIs, and we're then getting we're into having... Jason's thing about Habsburg AI, um, yeah. <laughs> where it's like it becomes so incestuous and self-referential that it like loses the ability to be normal. Well, I I've seen this referred to because one of the ways a lot of academics talk about AI is they talk about it as analogous to a human brain, and so they'll mm. talk. So AI, when it con is confidently wrong about something, they'll talk about it as hallucinating. And as AI copies too many things that have also been generated by AI, the further it actually abstracts from any human labor, right, with, mm. to, to write something even, the more it gets what this paper refers to as dementia. Oh, <laughs> so, cool. And that okay. happens very fucking quick, right? Mm. You don't... And also, it's like you haven't... At no point have they actually made anything new. The actual thing is just recapping something else. Once again... You know, you have some pretty impressive audio production technology, but you cannot escape the fact that without someone do actually doing something, someone else actually doing something, you have nothing. All mm. you you have nonsense. Also, uh, also social trust. Like that's one reason. Like we joke about parasociality, right? But like us being familiar to the audience, sort of like there's a connection there that you're not getting with you know, AI voice number three. Also, yeah, or whatever. also even for like- Maybe you would do. Maybe you want to be like fucking like the guy in her and you're like, you want to <laughs> fuck the AI voice number three. I don't know. But but even even the um even the like tech guys who are who will sort of likely kind of boost this uh for some reason. Like even the podcast that they like, the reason why they like it is not really because of the show. It's because like it's the they follow these guys on Twitter and you know mm. these and these Twitter guys are now doing a podcast and that's kind of you know a fun thing. Like their show is not fun by any means, but it's kind of like even the logic behind this doesn't fit with how these guys actually kind of consume media. Mm. So really, it's just sure. kind of there. So it exists for the purpose of like, oh look, we can kind of do a thing, mm -hmm. and it doesn't really matter if like that thing is kind of counterintuitive to how like the industry sort of works or like how people who actually work in podcasting as in like making a living out of it what they actually do all that matters is that it exists and so even if like the bill gates talking to socrates weird podcast but like 
is just very jarring and doesn't make sense. Like, even if that is not going to really be listened to by anyone serious, like its existence is enough to justify it is effectively what seems to be the kind of guiding philosophy behind these, well, like this, find this guy. It, it's the same kind of um, of impulse that leads you to want to demonstrate how smart you are by saying you've read the dictionary because it's the book with the most variety of words in it, mm. right? It's it is it is at every point it is the appearance of depth. Even with this, uh, the example of the Hacker News Summary podcast, it is nothing but the appearance of content. You're still just putting your veneer over something someone else has done. So what they say, they say the success of the Hacker News recap is indicative of a broader potential that anyone can step into the world of podcasting with Wondercraft's technology, professional podcasting expertise, or a captivating voice is no longer an, a prerequisite. But All like, that's needed. That, that was that was one of the things that that's one of the things I like about podcasting is the barrier to entry is relatively low. Like, okay, there's improvements you can make, like on the sort of like you know, the top end or whatever. But like, you can you can start doing this with like a laptop microphone and like cheap headphones. Mm -hmm. well, what they say is all that's needed is content of value. Right. And uh -huh. what they, what this is, what that story is about, once again, is the fantasy of the executive who no longer needs to have anybody working for them to produce a to produce a piece of media. Right. Mm. And, but it, but then that, that fantasy, like you still need the you can never do away with the person entirely or your A.I. very quickly starts like buying 100 gallons of milk and pissing in the closet. <laughs> yeah, you remember the sort of the the, the like the Wally thing, the fear that like um, humans are going to become like very dependent on AI, and you know, once it it's sort of like operating on its own, it just outpaces us. It seems like the opposite happens. It's like once it starts relying on itself, it it just it falls down. Uh, doesn't doesn't have the juice, doesn't have the spark, you know. Well, th thus far at least. Uh, mm. But uh, to me, that also right. This is this also relates to the whole idea that. Oh, well, Jason fucking Kalkanis was talking about this, right? Mm. Like, oh, yeah, with AI, I can see what happens in succession when Tom runs the company. <laughs> it's like, awesome. Like, there is no rest of the show. There's no rest of the Mona Lisa. It, it mm -hmm. ends at the frame. It ends at the, at the end credits. And it goes yeah. back to, like... Art, art is yeah. a sort of, like, uh, process of curation and of, like, deciding where stuff ends if it means anything. Like, and, yeah. And what this, what this kind of impulse of applying this to, to any kind of creative activity is, is it's trying to allow the curator and the creator to swap places by making the creator a nest. You can just say, I like succession. I'm going to curate myself and I'm such a good curator mm -hmm. of it. I'm going to curate myself another episode because I can describe what I would like. And that's why Check I this shit out. I, ju I just made AI imagine the rest of Michelangelo's David and it's like a marble cube. <laughs> that's why it's like it's AI generation is the anti printing press because it makes commu actual communication impossible. But mm. it's also the anti art because it makes discerning because it destroys a piece of art and turns it just into another bit of content. And it confuses and it muddles all the human element of it and by by making it impossible to, to, to discern it. I mean, this is, it's the same impulse that leads Disney to keep milking the same IP to glup shitify everything. It's the glup shitification of all that exists. Anyway, anyway, uh, I, I want to go on about AI, but I want to leave Wondercraft uh, behind for now. Mm, uh, because, until it takes all of our jobs. 
Yeah, I will like to leave Wondercraft up well behind at the bottom of a large well, well I mean, like, where it can't hurt anyone. The positive news is, is that for situations where Milo is away, we can simply just implement the AI Milo. That's true. <laughs> so, so listeners will never have to go go and go an episode without a sex noise of some kind. Yeah, without without. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen some of the old classic characters in a while. AI Milo, <laughs> a, uh, AI Milo, deploy jerk Vanderclerk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, all right. So the other thing I want to talk about, of course, is the uh, artificial intelligence scarevertising uh, drive is continuing, and mm. it now has demonstrably worked on the UK. Uh, so I'll start with this. The Center for AI Safety has released another statement, which has been signed on to now by not just that last group of people who signed on to the previous statement from, I think, another AI institute, including like Elon Musk and, and others. Um, this one uh, includes signatories who are quite serious, uh, such as uh, Sundar Pichai. Uh, it includes Elon Musk. I don't, Elon Musk. It doesn't include Elon Musk specifically. It includes Sam Altman. Um, mm. It includes uh, the, the, the bomb the data centers guy as well. Uh, what's his fucking yeah. name? Yeah, yeah. It includes him and uh, the, the thousands of academics. And the statement says, it's very short. Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemic and nuclear war. And um, number one, again, like this is this has to be seen, in my view, as these guys advertising uh, their mm. product and also yeah, saying to I, yeah, I mean, we're, we're sort of like uh, alive to the possibility of AI doing bad shit here, I would say. But I, what strikes me is it's a problem of like frame of reference, right? We can only sort of talk about it in terms of like it's going to do Skynet. And not in terms of like, uh, it's going to make the self-driving car kill your nan or whatever. Or and so this is also right. Remember that this these guys, this group of executives, is kind of doing the global government tour, or at least the sort of mm. Western government tour. Um, and they got all, and then they spoke before Congress a few weeks ago. They got all the real U.S. politicians to listen to them, and they agreed it was too important for Greg Stubbe to do his dog and pony show. They they didn't get like the Make a Wish Congress people to come and like <laughs> and see that particular. Um, no, th uh, this time yeah. we got the, the the guys who know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and then and everyone agreed, and the same thing is happening here, where um, after meeting Sunak and after meeting several labor frontbenchers. Once again, everybody is roughly singing the same tune. So mm. Sunak met with um, Pishai, Altman, as well as a few others, and has basically said that the uh, AI white paper written by Michelle Donald, and I think we talked about it a few months ago as well, is now completely yeah. out of date because it, it talks about things like uh, bias and, um, uh, you know, like the implementation in workplaces, again, from a Yeah, Tory fuck that shit. And, Not interested in that Skynet. Skynet. When is it going <laughs> to launch the missiles? <laughs> Uh, and, you know, if you think that this is not confined to the Tories at all, uh, like labor for the long term, which is a labor, a long termist labor pressure group, which we should talk oh, that's about. That's a fucking horrible vibe. <laughs> yeah, like Nick Bostrom and Keir Starmer hanging out and, and just talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Christ. AI Milo, your turn. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so this is they're all trying to enshrine. Like everybody agrees at, on enshrining this kind of artificial intelligence driven Whiggism more or less into all mm. forms of government. So the, David Davis, another Tory, uh, said, the whole question of responsibility and liability has to be tightly defined. Let's say I dismiss you from a job on the basis that the AI recommends I do so. Am I still liable for that action? That's, and, that's a revealing yeah. example. 
I would say. Mm. That's saying the quiet part a little bit louder than necessary, because like most of what we're worried about, about AI, is not so much Skynet and more about it like automating all of your phony baloney jobs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the idea that like, oh, well, if I use this to do that, Am I like on the hook for it in an employment tribunal or whatever? Mm. Mm. That's that's an interesting question to be asking at this point. Well, if you get kicked off your corporate podcast because an AI replaces you, do you get severance? <laughs> Are you obliged well, to like if if they make an AI out of your voice? Does that count as you training your replacement? <laughs> so it's also you know this is this is the other way that a lot of these people see AI, which is a layer, they, that's how they want to see AI, which is a layer between uh, powerful decision makers and the consequences of their actions. Because you can mm -hmm. say, oh, it wasn't me, it was the computer. Computer said no. Friend computer said no. Um, here, here is labor. Uh, Lucy Powell, spokesperson for Digital Culture, Media, and Sports, said the AI white paper is a sticking plaster, relying on overstretched regulators to manage multiple impacts will allow huge areas to fall through the gaps. That's probably true, but again, the areas she's talking about are Skynet areas. Sure. Uh, and then Darren Jones from the Business Select Committee said, we need the UK to promote an international and host an international AI agency along the lines of the IAEA. All of oh, this. The, being, um, yeah. the AI IAEA. Yeah, the EIEIO. The IAEA. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, that's such a not It's not a global concern until you have a very unwieldy acronym. And <laughs> I, I mean... I'm not against that. I'm not against regulation. I'm definitely not against like world regulation of these things, uh, or indeed much else. It's just, uh, it's pretty clear where the attempt is here to like, you know, get a lever over this before it gets started, right? Mm. Well, it's the um, what I'm noticing. What I noticed from the U.S. What I noticed here is that polit is that most sides of the political spectrum across the Atlantic. And, you know, also elsewhere um, mm. in like Canada, Australia and stuff are pretty much agreed that the main threat is Skynet and that that the way to do that to to prevent Skynet, at least the way in the US they're talking about preventing Skynet is is onerous licensing for like having a certain amount of compute. Um, mm. And then over here, we're still um mooting how it would work. But I'll, I'll talk about what the AI bigwigs, that, these that's guys... That's so convenient, first of all, to be like, we have to protect these guys' existing business. Once they're in, we gotta, like, seal it off completely around them. They would Other never do Skynet. Yeah, uh, because otherwise, if we don't do that, if we don't enshrine them as a monopoly now, Skynet will happen. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Altman basically gave his vision of what he thinks that this regulatory vision should be. He says that governments have to work to smooth the integration of superintelligence with society, either by setting it's, it's up a, yeah. not a thing yet, not even guaranteed yeah. that it's going to be a thing, mm -hmm. not inevitable. But th this is the thing, right? I think this is an attempt to like craft the narrative, not just in a hype way, right? I think this is a way that like we have decided what the what the program is going to be, right? And I, Riley, you and I have spoken about this. This is going to be the subject of the next episode, is like the ideology and the ideological implications of that. But what strikes me about this is it's an attempt to say superintelligence, like general AI, whatever you want to call it, um, whatever we actually get, whether it works or not, whether it works as intended, whatever the effects of it are, we are going to call it that. 
And we are going to understand it within the framework of those things, regardless of what it actually does. This is the narrative now. Yeah, it's that it's if you are enough of a Whig, right? Mm. Anything will seem like a like a a, bil- a god that we built eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you if if you get the microchip small enough, if you add enough compute, and again, like there are lots of like, quite lively debates and like the philosophy of mind and stuff that it mm. is really just about a sufficient amount of computing power. But that's there are, there are lively what, yeah. debates in the like uh the the sort of like the fab side of this about whether this can be made. Mm. Uh, like, the, the, there are sort of like, we we don't know the answer to that, and I'm not against regulation in a precautionary sense, because of course I'm not, but I think you have to, like, pay attention to the sort of the philosophical implications here of being, like, we are going to regulate this ahead of time, and in so doing, we are going to very strictly define anything that happens is AI now. Well, in, in, <clears throat> indeed, and I'll go through more of what they say they want. So mm. Altman and Co. have written that they think that, yeah, you say governments should work to smooth the integration of superintelligence with society uh, or collectively agree that the rate of growth in AI capability should be limited to a certain rate per year. It should never stop, but it should be limited to a rate per year. A bit like cool, we got a whole new line. Yeah. We, we're yeah. doing sort of like uh, and, stonks on and, AI. And that there needs to be something like the International Atomic Energy Agency for like AI and compute. So yeah, that the, yeah, idea yeah, yeah. now, that now mm-hmm. I- idea is just it is all, all it's just made its way into the regulators. The, these guys have just walked in uh, to like Washington and to Westminster, did like a little fun thing with ChatGPT, like when we made those fake Keir Starmer speeches, and now they're mm. like, just write the law. Just go ahead and write the law. I'm sure you'll do it well. Keir Starmer saw one of the fake speeches. He was like, oh my fucking God. We just stop this shit right now. He, he felt in that moment the same way I felt when we found out about the AI podcast. Thing. <laughs> so they also said what they don't think it should pl- apply to. Uh, these are the, 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 the Sam Altman and co. They said, mm. today's systems create tremendous value in the world. And while they do have risks, the level of those, of those risks feels commensurate with other internet technologies and society's likely approaches seem appropriate. But if you're talking about like uh, risks posed by other internet technologies, everyone is insane and depressed now <laughs> because, yes. you know, because other internet technologies that we had uh, just basically wormed their way into people's lives and gave them all mental illness. Yeah, but um, all of all of that shit, all of the like social trust shit, that's not important because what we've got to be worrying about is Eight foot tall metal skeletons yeah, with laser guns. Yeah, yeah. Like the technology we have has made a certain subset of the population. Like, I, like I do think, like, like fervent Q belief or whatever is akin mm. to a kind of like being quite mentally unwell. And we didn't sure. need AI for that. No. Um, you know, that's the result of mass alienation. That's the result of an incredibly weak society that causes people to become terrified of one another and to latch on to increasingly sort of deranged visions of reality. You know, and mm-hmm. so the idea of saying, well, those risks feel commensurate with other internet technologies, that, that feels like, well, hang on. The risks of other internet technologies that we brought in were quite significant, not because they were inherently risky, but because we are so unable to absorb even a small shock to our incredibly fucking sick polity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so absolutely. Says, By contrast, the systems we are concerned about, they say, will have power beyond any technology yet created, and we should not be careful to water down the focus on them by applying similar standards to technology below this bar. 
Oh, I absolutely see where the fix is there. Okay. <laughs> and no, like, no, if anything, only... I find that a little bit heavy-handed. That's <laughs> that's quite like, do not look behind this curtain, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, also, like, we, we talk about, uh, even if you don't want to talk about similar tech, like, similar, you might say, watershed technologies, like, sort of, like, like, uh, like um, smartphones and social media. If you want to mm. talk about uh, just AI, right? If you want to talk about the AI risks, the AI risk is not super intelligence. It's the fact that an eating disorder charity fired all of its call center staff, replaced them with a chatbot. The chatbot encouraged them to kill themselves. Yeah. That's a risk. <clears throat> that's not super it intelligence. Listen, listen to too many AI podcasts. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's, that is a real, actual risk. But, 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 but actual right. that, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter because that's not an existential threat. And on the suck, like the. On the long view, right, me and Keir Starmer are out here fucking the 10,000 year clock, and while we're doing that, we're thinking, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. What matters is, the, like, you know, the survival of the species, which could be jeopardized by mm. this, but, like, infinity times smarter, which we're yeah. pretty certain is happening any day now. <laughs> Yeah, because like it doesn't matter if the AI that you're creating like makes people miserable. If anything, you sort of want that to happen because mm, yes. uh, without that miserable population, who's going to listen to your AI in enhanced podcasts? <laughs> so <laughs> Who, who's going to like? Well, it, it, that's its economic function too. Is it, it, it's going to immiserate people by like automating their jobs and making the product of work worse? Like that's what it's for. <laughs> but also like the uh, like embedded into like <clears throat> the ideology behind this is just the idea that like. The actual AI stuff that is going to make people more miserable. I think the eating disorder charity is like a really good example of that. But mm. even just like all these types of AI tools that you can see that are designed to like optimize like workflow, for example, or like, you know, uh, will be implemented into Amazon warehouses or in like various sorts of other like gig economy jobs that are created out of this. Like they don't see this as the existential threat and neither does like this government or the British government in particular, who I imagine are also quite interested in this in part because like they're sort of desperate for any kind of tech industry to mm -hmm. like latch onto, right? Like oh, yeah, that's the impression basing... that I got from like sorry. I mean, I mean all I was gonna say was that like, the impression that I got from like Starmer and his team and like they're interested in this. Um I think we I think actually one of them did say something about like, oh, we think that Britain can be like a, like a leader in sort of like AI technologies. And so we have like an economic investment into this, uh, as well as like you know, and part of our kind of concerns about its risks is because we want to create like a healthy uh, economy in which like good AI can be um, created. I think it was well, that was like a very very cheap paraphrase of it. So I'm not sure whether like they exactly said well, that. But look, this is the the reason that every British politician has to say that. Of course, is it goes even back to what we were talking about at the very beginning is the incredibly insular and self-referential um, uh, structure of British media and politics. Which is mm. that as soon as something is a big topic that someone says something about, everybody needs an opinion on it. And so we were sure. going to be a world leader in cryptocurrency a couple of years ago, if you remember. Oh, uh, Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah, we were going to have Bitcoin. Uh, we were going to have a Royal Mint NFT. And again, like, I, I, think that, I think that the people who say that AI is just is exactly the same as crypto, like, yeah, it's got the same kind of hype cycle and a lot of the same people are into it. But what I've always said is this is actually valuable to capital because it allows them mm. to discipline labor more. Right. But there it's the the to the British politician, to the underdeveloped brain of a British politician. It's all just the next shiny thing that we need to be a world leader in because it's happening and we should be going where the stuff is. And that leads us, of course, to see 
the EU's regulatory stance on AI, which ca- almost caused Sam Altman to threaten, well, it did cause Sam Altman, in fact, to threaten to pull OpenAI out of Europe, right? Because yeah. there Bullsh- was actually- Bullshit. Call his bluff, yeah. and I'm glad yeah. the EU did. Yeah, but, and then the US vision, which, of course, the, the US is never going to be able to properly regulate it, because how do you coordinate that between states and the federal level, mm, uh, yeah. is the, the UK saying, oh, we're going to be the middle power. We're going to, we're going to have, like, let a thousand chatbots bloom, let a million data center, <laughs> where, where we yeah, used but, to have. Yeah. But every three months, someone with an eating disorder is torn apart by an AI. Uh, But I mean, like basing the EIEIO or whatever we're fucking calling it in the UK would like be a genuine geopolitical coup because that's it's going to be a very influential thing if it becomes uh, like a regulatory body. Um, On the other hand, imagine basing it in this country with these politicians and in a timeline where like all of them have a Neuralink installed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, so. This is, uh, this is, it's like, you take the place where we used to have, you know, the factory, that got torn down, and what got built mm. in its place was a call center, which got torn down, what was built in its place was an Amazon warehouse, and that got then emptied out, and now hosts a giant data center, and, mm. you know, that's a little bit, of, I think, what the, what the fantasy is, right, which is, we, if we just put enough faith in, wig, in a Whiggish view of technology, we're not going to have to do difficult politics. Sure. Um, we are just going to be, we're going to grab onto the hype cycle at the right time, just like we did with the steam loom. We're going to do exactly that again, or just well, like they, we did They with, talk yeah. about it in those terms of like a new industrial revolution, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, and, uh, not, yeah. not a more equitable one, by the way, when people say that. They just say new industrial revolution. I'm like, <laughs> interesting, what happened to the last ones? Oh, <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. Uh, what, what was it powered mm. by? Who was required to... Whose labor was required some, some to create mass a movement of popular? No? Oh, okay. Some kind of a some kind of a tra- some kind of I think a rhombus trade in the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> anyway, but by the way, in case you're interested, the EU regulations are essentially that um, transparent are heavy transparency requirements, such as disclosing if something is generated by AI, but also publishing summaries of copyrighted data used for training. Yeah, which I really yeah. like this, because like, I think it's a useful weapon against AI. One of the only useful things you can use copyright for, I would say, is where did you get this from? Who did it, you know, like chasing it around like a dog that has something in its mouth, like <laughs> where, where is this from? Uh, and, and then there are a number of um, Things that they want to prohibit uh, AI being used for. It's just most um, policing and biometric things, as well as emotion mm. recognition systems, scraping, uh, creating like facial recognition data, like databases, like the things that cause again AI companies to say, "Oh, we don't want to go be there because you won't let mm. us do anything fun, and we'll yeah. have to say when we stole something." Um, but I think uh, to round all this off, actually, I want to read an article by Ian Martin in the Times, uh, which is entitled. To defend the West, we must win the AI race. Pausing oh, is on an option. Natsec angle. Thank <laughs> you. I am rubbing my hands with glee. Yeah. Pausing is not an option when allowing autocracies to gain superiority in these technologies could spell disaster. Albert Einstein. This is a very heavy-handed mm-hmm. article, by the way. Sure. Albert Einstein came to regret his warning to Roosevelt in 39. The Germans had split the atom, he wrote, and the Nazis could try to create nuclear weapons. Roosevelt quickly mobilized America's elite universities and authorized the Manhattan Project. The letter triggered a chain reaction in the U.S. government that led to Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and the Cold War arms race, uh, with Einstein eventually telling Newsweek, had I known that the Germans would not succeed, I would have done nothing. 
Well, perhaps, but staying silent would have risked the Soviet Union or the Nazis getting there first. So basically, Ian, Martin's, uh, Ian Martin is saying, look, it turns out, you know, it was better to have the world on the brink of destruction <laughs> and sort of still For, being on the brink of destruction. Yes, yes, still yeah. is, yes. Um, yeah, like it's to think of the Cold War nuclear arms race as a kind of, well, I guess we should do it again, but on the computer. Like, if you actually believe that AI is going to mm. do Skynet, and your answer is just, well, I guess it's Skynet, I suppose. <laughs> Better our Skynet than theirs. Well, if he, if, he's, if he is leaning into it, then, there is a sort of logical conclusion to this, which is, if we're doing balance of terror stuff with AI, the same as we do for, for nuclear weapons, you can't have a mutually assured destruction without the mutual part. So what you should be advocating for, and I expect to see this in the coming paragraphs, is a ruthless program of spying on the part of the People's Republic of China to build <laughs> up indigenous AI capacity uh, so that like everyone has it and now we're in sort of like balance. Because it's most dangerous if like, you know, we have it and they don't, right? Under mm. that logic. So the argument of course here being that the most dangerous part of the Cold War was just after 1945, just before the Soviets had their own bomb, yeah. when the U.S. was like, we can do fucking anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it says, the bomb and the debate on whether its invention was unstoppable will be big this summer. Through their labors, mankind acquired the godlike capacity to all but eliminate life on Earth. And mm. like, this, I mean, how, how, do you, how are you an AI booster? How do you read this as an AI booster? and think, what I am doing is good, unless you have the belief that they all have, which is, which is this, the premise of, almost the premise of the Turing letter, the premise mm. of a self-improving algorithm has taken on a life of its own outside of humanity, and almost like a kind of world spirit is going to instantiate itself no matter what. And so at least we can trust ourselves to do it responsibly. It is a belief in... It is genuinely a belief in the ghost in the machine that is trying to exist. It's it's it, all different levels of like Elon Musk hitting on Grimes with Rocco's Basilisk, a thing which <laughs> neither of them really understand and which is stupid anyway. <laughs> and I, I always go back to this idea of AI is the opposite of the printing press, right? Because mm. what actually, let, let's leave aside the Skynet thing, right? If you just say, if you talk about the risks that he's, that, that Ian Martin is talking about, right? He says, Within 20 years, our food may be managed by AI. Decisions about what to grow, whether to manufacture more or fewer fish fingers, and where to deliver them will be made with little human involvement. Replicate this in the management of the power grid and undersea cables, which are all eminently hackable and all requiring robust national defense. Which I then have to ask, wh why then seed them? Why, why, mm. is it that, why is it that the working out of the machine spirit has to then be given undersea cables, well, national defense, well, and the it's fish inevitable. finger. Yeah. It's inevitable because of how much more efficient it would make the fish fingers. <laughs> I'm, and I'm often saying the fish finger distribution is inefficient, so... <laughs> no choice but to do Skynet. I feel like the, see, the impression I'm sort of getting from this is very... I think you were, we sort of like touched on it like uh, not long ago, where it's about like having the, the race to have like the take on it. So he... Mm. He's imagining a type of AI that is basically self-governing, right? The it sort of seems like the fear, which is very much like the Rocco Basilisk fear, is just like, oh, this machine, like this system will just kind of like self-govern uh, and uh, have all the sort of like existential threats that come with it. And therefore, but like, 
it, it to me this is really confusing because it's just sort of like yeah but people do manage the ai and people mm. do create it and like you know there is mm. sort of like a lineage that sort of goes into the design of it and the ai that you're imagining is not really the ai that exists and is being advocated for if anything the ai that you're imagining like the actual sort of ai boosters who are all the ai tech guys that are going to benefit from it don't want that either mm -hmm. so it feels like you're mm -hmm. sort of talking about the wrong thing well, he like so many uh times writers what he's doing is he's reacting to the marketing poster as opposed to sure. the thing right. substantially and this is why i sort of feel yeah it feels very jarring because it's sort of like mm -hmm. but yeah you're talking about something that isn't going to happen not because it doesn't have the potential to or that like the technology isn't because it, it, it could very well like you know that stuff could develop it's just that it's not going to develop for lots of sort of reasons that aren't really about tech mm -hmm. And much more mm. to do with like the you know the, how the like the kind of who how, who accumulates the capital well, in the tech space. Like like any NatSec thing, the angle here I think is okay. Well, obviously we wouldn't make Skynet, but mm -hmm. what if China made Skynet? Because well, here's what I, I don't know. They just they just felt like it. If the West and its allies fail to emerge as the winners of the AI race, yes, of course, because. They're racing to make Skynet because we're racing to make Skynet, so we have to race mm -hmm. faster to make Skynet. Of Skynet's getting made. Look, first yeah. of all, let's just let's, <laughs> let's just Skynet get listen. Made. There's gonna be a Skynet, and when there is, we better have an American flag on it. <laughs> if the West and its allies fail to emerge as the winners of the AI race, we'll be at the mercy of dictators who can swarm us with twenty thousand drones communicating with each other hold, rather than humans. Yeah, hold on, hold on. We're already at the mercy of dictators because, like, a as we have seen, there are dictatorships with nuclear weapons. Like, yeah, but what if, what if worse? You know, what if it was how, world destroying? How would that be worse? What could possibly be worse? Uh, Skynet, uh -huh. big scary skeleton Terminator. I mean, it's okay. There already is the balance of terror. How do you, as you say, yeah, how do yeah. you make it more? <laughs> um, like vast computer power can relentlessly search for weaknesses through which to launch cyber attacks or shut down our financial but, but system also, or turn but off also, the lights. I, I will say this, um, to undercut myself a bit, there already is a- we, we already have balance of terror at home, because we already have nuclear weapons. Most of which are controlled by, like, uh, uh, you know, a, a guy with a switch under a bunker in Montana or whatever. Like, it, it, you can't say, oh, well, you know, if China invents Skynet, they're gonna, like, entirely fuck us over and we'll be powerless, because what if we say, okay, well, if you do Skynet to us, we'll nuke you. Mm -hmm. What if that? Well, that actually- Again, I don't. It, that's already is the policy. Like it's already yes. pretty clear that yes. like, the, the U.S. has already like yet. made very clear that that's like that that would be an act of war. Sure, of course. Yeah. So I, I don't really. So what's new? Nothing other than just like we have to do Skynet because it would make me feel well, bad if we didn't. This is an example of someone upon whom the marketing of like the the scare advertising has worked mm. entirely. And of course yeah. it has, because this is a, a British media like, creature. Like, this is, th this is a form of life upon which advertising fucking works. Mm -hmm. um, Much of the debate has centered so far on the question of whether the machines will come to be cleverer than their masters and develop feelings and desires. My concern is not so much the questions of machines becoming sentient. Um, uh, t -t 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 human sentiment and feeling will still be powerful in art, culture, creativity, the search for sublime, etc. 
There are enormous ethical dilemmas confronting our leaders. We hear a lot from them about climate change and from the global industry dedicated to stopping it. But this, the need to beat autocracies in the AI arms race and work out how pro by the process how we might retain human control is bigger than that. And the key challenge, it's a dangerous race and we have to win. We are going to break the 1.5 degrees warming yeah. like two months from now. How is yeah. this the bigger problem? Also, who says we're staying democracies, given the sort of like incipient rise of the far right, more or less everywhere? Like, what if it just becomes a contest between like two different forms of autocracy? I won't care because I'll be getting bulldozed into a mass grave at that point. But like, just <laughs> as an academic question, what if that? American flag on it. British it's gonna have a it's gonna have a Union mm. Jack, won't it? On on our okay. on Brit Skynet. Okay. Well the thing is I always figured that like if America went like explicitly fascist or Britain went explicitly fascist, we would do the sort of hearts of iron thing and change the flag to look more evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a big no, we're gonna have a big computer chip on it instead of like the crossed Kalashnikovs, because that's gonna be what's Ooh. actually more dangerous. Damn, crazy. Anyway, anyway. Um but I uh, just to sort oh, of round just have this a out. cursed thought. Okay, go ahead. I, which I can pitch to the Times as a column, which is when are we going to have one of those international hazard symbols like the radiation triangles, but for like computer cognition? When are we going to have a sticker <laughs> that you can like slap on the side of a computer case to indicate, hey, this thing's got feelings? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, uh, let's just Someone generate one of that those. And, yeah, let's, let's, let's make one of those and sell it as stickers. Well, this, com this computer has mental health. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a hazard triangle with like check, this yeah. computer has mental health. Print it. Yeah. Patent pending. Check, patent check, pending. Check check on can't. your check on your chips or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> check on your chips. Perfect. Okay, can't do it. Anyone making a shirt out of that? We're gonna fucking sue you. Yeah, we uh, will take that as an act of war. Yeah, we will. We will nuke you. Uh, anyway, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Just to round all this out, though, I think like the it's it's something that you know to be. Just to continue to sort of, you could, you will once you see it, notice it everywhere in these discussions. You will mm. see the discussion of the dangers of AI every time it's talked about in government be steered away from identifiable impacts on identifiable people and onto theoretical impacts on theoretical people. But the impacts are so extreme that they outweigh the identifiable impacts on identifiable people. And it is some, it is. Nothing new under the sun. It's something that sort of our our various governments have done more or less forever, right? But mm. um, you know, you're uh, you are not going to stop seeing it. Anyway, I think that's all there is for today. So I want to thank you all for listening. Thank my wonderful co-host for being here with me, and remind you that there is a Patreon. It is for five dollars. You can get an extra episode every week. For ten dollars, you can get an additional two on top of that. Uh, an extra Britonology uh, and an extra Rittenology. Uh, we, should, we should add a sort of like a, a, a very high tier, at like a sort of million dollar mark where you just gain access to the AI that like replicates us. <laughs> you can just generate as many episodes as you want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, we can't release them now. I mean, the future is also just like getting your favorite hosts on one podcast to another episode of a show of one of your other favorite shows, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you could get so us to do well, there's get... your problem. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what is this a crossover episode? Fuck, that's like, that's gonna happen as well. Shit. Yeah. Do, mm. If you, I'll just we'll just go on each other's podcast. You don't need to generate it with AI. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, the, pod, the pod save Johns are gonna do trash future. And yeah, what, do you, what do you what do you say AI, AI Liam? Yeah. <laughs> ah. Anyway, um. Yeah, that's what other he says. things. Oh yeah, other things. That's the soy face noise. Ah. <laughs> 
other things. Uh, there is a stream Thursdays and Mondays on Twitch. You can mm -hmm. uh, watch it. Uh, you can it's watch got... it by plugging slop.delivery into your browser. That's right. Milo's probably doing shows. You can go on his website. I'm sure it will be linked. And uh, anything else? Anything else? I think we're good. All right. We will see you on the bonus episode in a couple of days. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.